all the hard work that you had to do, you'll kind of forget about. And it won't seem as hard as you thought it was going to be because we make it out to be a lot worse in our minds than what it really is. Yeah, no kidding, man. Just awesome. Great point. All right, another um, great question that I have here. I know, again, I read your book and he's like, man, this is a gold mine um, because we really need to unpack all this knowledge that you have. And I know that you're a very successful uh, coach and high level coach because uh, you don't coach. Um, you know, regular folks, you, you focus on CEOs and, and, and folks that are um, really successful in certain steps. But I, I want to talk to you about adversity. You know, I know you talk about adversity a lot and you call it a gift. Um, why is it a gift? It's There's so many levels to it, but the, and we'll, we'll do the short and the long answer. The short answer is, if it wasn't for adversity spurring us on, we would stay in mediocrity. We would never change. We would never adapt. People, two things change our behavior, the pursuit of happiness or the avoidance of pain. Yeah. And most people don't even pursue happiness now. So they do just enough to get by, just enough to not be in pain. But that mediocrity, you're not doing as much as you're capable of, but you're not as bad as this other person, so you feel better about it. Adversity is a gift because it forces you to up your game and play at a higher level. It doesn't let you do just the bare minimum. It kicks you in the ass when you're not given everything that you should be. And most importantly, it knows when you're lying, even if you're not aware of it. It knows that you're not giving everything that you, you could. And if you're the kind of person who starts realizing what you're capable of, then you will start seeking out adversity because you know that that makes you better. That makes you stronger. Just like lifting a weight. If I use the same weight every single day for a year straight, that's yeah. not going to be enough. I have to up the resist. It's called resistance training. So we have that mental resistance. We have that resilience. We get stronger. Mm -hmm. We overcome and we adapt. But if we don't demand more from ourselves, we will never change. And that's where adversity helps us. So I talk about micro adversities, these little bitty ones. So the micro adversity for somebody here listening may be, not to hit snooze, not to sleep the day away, not to get distracted by a bunch of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with what they really want to do. And it's those little bitty small things. We've both love Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yeah. That's why. It's the things that are monumental are actually things that are just incremental. They're small. But it's these small decisions that we choose over time that build the habit, the discipline, the momentum, the gravity the true impact, and that's something that is sustainable. And you can do it in any arena that you enter if you so choose. But most people get to a certain degree of success or out of a certain amount of mediocrity and say, oh, I've got enough, and that's fine. But if you're listening to us now and you can hear my voice, there's so much more that you could be doing. Yeah, you know, I love the fact that um, the way you put it in your book, it's like a bitch slap. Adversity comes in. Oh my gosh, yeah. And it just um, it hits you, and, and the first thing because it causes your pain, and you you very wisely said that people avoid pain more than seek happiness. Yes. So when adversity comes, it's painful. Yes, absolutely. And so we try to avoid it, but avoiding adversity. Um, doesn't allow you to grow. You need adversity to grow. Yes. So for me, in, in my family, in 
uh, we've had a lot of adversity. You know, we lost mm -hmm. a couple children, one to cancer. And so for us, um, as Catholics, we're, we're um, used to the word suffering, which is adversity. Um, and you got to manage the suffering. You got to you got to look at it from the positive way. What am I gaining yes. out of this? So for for me, when adversity hits me, I'm going, okay, God, this is a test. I know you're ready to graduate me, and I need to pass this test. And you're trying to teach me this new skill mm -hmm. or whatever else. And so I my goal in the midst of adversity is to figure out what lessons I need to learn to pass my test so that I could get out of adversity and God could graduate me to the next level. That's exactly it because that adversity that you have not figured out or that you avoid is not going away. Right. God has a way of putting that same problem in front of you over and over again until you learn it. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing. You have to keep doing it. It's not like I figured it out and now I'm done. No. And if you forget about a lesson... Guess what? Adversity comes back and it says, hey, remember me? You don't remember yeah. me because you're not acting the right way. Mm -hmm. And because you're not, I'm going to remind you again. And lots of times, the lesson that you've learned and that you've forgotten about, when it comes back, it hits you even harder because you don't see it coming. So in boxing, right, the, the punch that knocks us out is the one that we don't see coming. Yeah. So keep your hands up. Understand that adversity is a gift because it's trying to teach you. People always say, why does, you know, why does this have to hurt so much? Well, because you wouldn't pay attention if it didn't hurt yeah. so much. Adversity gets your attention and pisses you off. And now it says, do I have your attention? Okay, you have to change this. Well, I don't want to. Well, you're going to stay here until you do. How about that? Yeah. It's tough love. Well, I mean, you can't get to the next level until you learn those lessons. I mean, it, it, it is the same thing with uh, relationships and business. Absolutely. Totally, man. I, um, so, guys, I mean, you know, I, I, I love the... Um, when I was working with the army, mm -hmm. um, they had the, this phrase, you know, embrace the suck. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, people were trying to quit or they were complaining. Somebody would yell, shut up, embrace the suck. That's it. And it's, it's very, um, the wisdom of that phrase is so uh, obvious. It's like, just deal with it, man. You can't get out. Adversity is there. I mean, you just got to get through it. The sooner you learn your lesson, yep. or the sooner you... You know, you go through that, the better off you're going to be. And, and again, for me, adversity is just school of hard knocks, and, and, yep. and i got to get through this test. And the beautiful thing is that there's a graduation because you earn, you gain the yes. skill. So there's, there's, there's benefit out of the adversity. Absolutely. You're learning things, right? There's a gift in it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's... I don't know, man, you know, I've gone through so much that I, I, I tell people, you know, pain is my friend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just adversity is my friend. I, I don't I don't um, repel it. I don't I don't push it away. I understand that it's here to teach me something. So I don't see it as a as an adversary per, per se. Right. I see it as, a, OK, I got to embrace the suck. I got I got to deal with this situation and I'm going to move on. It's the price that we have to pay for excellence. Oh, that's beautiful. It right? absolutely is. Everything that you want, everything that you want is on the other side of adversity. Mm -hmm. So you want that relationship, you want that house, you want that car, you want that emotion. Embrace the adversity to get there. 
Wow, yeah, that is the price price for of excellence. You guys got to write that down. <laughs> Somebody tattoo that shit on your arm and, and, and <laughs> send it and, to and us. Send, yeah, Ta- send, send us a, a <laughs> screenshot of that. Uh, I had in my notes: adversity equals opportunity in growth. Absolutely. So there's nothing negative about adversity. I think that the perception, just like with pain, we perceive pain as as, as a negative feeling. Now, when you're working out, then you look at pain and go, "Hey." I'm growing, right? This is an indication that I'm on the right path. Right? Exactly. So if you're you're pumping that five pound weight, and it's like I don't even feel anything. It's like yeah, because you're not doing anything. Right. Your muscle needs this. Yeah. Your muscle. We adapt to to the stimuli around us. So that's why adversity shows up unannounced without any foretelling. It couldn't care less about what you want. It doesn't give a damn about your feelings, and it doesn't take no for an answer. So if you really want to get stronger, if you really want to get better. You have to do that work. And here's the other part. As I'm speaking right now, adversity is on its way to you. It's en route. So whether you are ready for it or not, it's going to show up. So you have to decide right now, how do I want to show up when I have to face adversity? Because the way that you hold yourself in the face of adversity is an indication of how you will do everything from the kind of father that you are, the kind of business that you run, the kind of husband that you are, or wife or whoever you are. That's what you have to understand. And if you don't see that, then you're always going to be stuck in that place where you don't want to do this menial job, but because you haven't faced the harder adversity of saying, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to start my own business? Well, that's going to take a lot of work. Do I want to go to this trade school or college to learn how to do this thing? That's going to take a lot of time, a lot of money. Well, I guess you're just going to be stuck there then. Eventually, you get to a place where you're tired of it. You get fed up. And then you say, you know what? Again, what's the classic saying is the pain of staying the same was less than the pain of having to change. So you get to a point where you're like, I'm just sick of this. And the key word is pain. You get pain both ways. That's what exactly kind of pain it. are you choosing? Right. Do you want to choose the adversity that makes you stronger or the adversity that seems a little bit easier at the moment, but in the end, in the long run, is going to essentially make your life mediocre at best? Yeah. yeah I love that, man. I think that embracing the adversity and looking at it as a gift, like you say in your book, instead of a... a, a something that, that, that you repel or you reject adversity is going to teach you lessons it's going to make you a better person a better entrepreneur a, a better whatever you know like you say it's it's going to make you excellent um and so you have to embrace it so guys take note of those things and this is you getting a lot of golden nuggets here and uh, from two people that <laughs> really are uh, first cousins with adversity <laughs> indeed so, my goodness, man, it's uh, it's just awesome. Uh, people don't talk about adversity because it's so negative, you know. Right. They they rather ignore it. It's like you say, pain. People avoid pain. People try to avoid adversity, but it's here. You can't go to the next level without adversity. You you can, and the thing is, I start seeking out adversity now. I start looking for it because that tells me that's my that's my compass that's my true north. So when you say that you mean you're looking for big challenges you challenge yourself Challenging and, myself, and that translates yeah. to adversity. That's yeah. exactly it. If you okay. if you're not seeking that out because again adversity is on its way so you have to decide am I going to face the adversity that I'm choosing to go in the direction that I want to go to make me better or am I going to face the adversity from some other thing in my life? 
in this life, listen to me, you either choose what you want or you become the result of somebody else's choice. And that's it. So everybody is waiting around and they play the victim because, oh, I can't control this. Well, there's a lot of stuff in life that we can't control, but what can you control? The direction that you want to go, the adversity that you're willing to face, to understand what's on the other side of that adversity, and then to understand that that cycle never ends. It's a hero's journey over and over again. Every cycle, every morning that you get up and don't hit snooze is this hero's journey of, man, I face this hardship. What am I going to do? I don't want to do it. Okay, well, then you stay stuck here until you decide what you want to do. And then you level up, you suck it up, you embrace the suck, and you move forward. But it's not just with that. It's also with our emotions, our relationships, our ability to learn, our humility. All these things come together, and that's why, again, what Miguel and I are talking about, these truths at the highest level all dovetail. They all come together. But once you understand it, you'll see it in everything that you do. Yeah, you know, again, it's beautiful... um time with you and and i just got another epiphany you're talking about you seek adversity or you seek challenges and i think that by seeking those and so i'm going to translate it into um something simpler like for instance if uh, you don't want to have that hard conversation with people eventually you're going to have that conversation whether you like it or not and it's not going to be on your terms and so whether it's with your spouse your boss or whatever so you seek that adversity, you are, you go out and look for it or or confront it before it confronts you. And you, uh, again, you're confronted on your terms. Perhaps you thought about it and you prepare. So when adversity hits, you're prepared. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that point because we have to get out in front of adversity. We have to be the one that it may not be ideal, but if we at least get in front of it, now we can frame it the way that can help us as opposed to just being caught again, blindsided by it. And by getting in front of it, it allows us to pull out that thorn quickly as opposed to waiting for it to just fester, get worse. Now it, now it takes even more effort to pull that thing out. Now it hurts even worse. But if we can try to nip it in the bud early, that gives us the opportunity. And then we get to see the gift without having to pay as huge of a price to get it. Yeah. Um, when we, my, my son was diagnosed with cancer, he was um, a brain tumor. Well, it's, it was a tumor where the spine core, spinal cord ends and the brain begins. Mm-hmm. And so it was embedded in all the nerves. Oh, wow. So there was no way, there was no way they could operate or anything like that. So um, I wanted to have a very, um, clear answer from the doctors and it's a way to seeking the adversity i wanted to know now what mm-hmm. to expect because i wanted to prepare for whatever so i remember going to um kansas city to uh, well i'm not going to mention the fucking hospital but <laughs> i was kind of pissed about <laughs> anyway so i i'm here my wife with the doctors and and they're telling us well you know you hands you, your son has this type of cancer um, but we want to do radiation and we want to do chemo and we want to do this and that. And I said, hold on a second, hold on a second. What are his chances of survival? So I'm trying to get ahead of, of, of adversity. You know, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to, I want it now because mm-hmm. then, then I would prepare accordingly. And they could not fucking tell me. The, the guy kept dancing around and I said, dude, I said, stop. You've seen this shit before. 
Mm -hmm. What are his chances of survival? And he looked at me and he goes, well, about 20%. And I said, you fucking lying. And then he looked at me and he goes, all right, less than 10%. And I said, thank you. Now I know. So we're not going to do chemo. We're not going to do anything like that because... When you, if you do chemo in a tumor like that, you just hurt the person. The quality of life is just going to yep. be miserable. You can't do radiation because he was telling me, well, you know, we could really pinpoint, try to pinpoint it or whatever, but you, you might hit a nerve and, and you know, you might stop breathing or whatever else. And I said, no, we're not. We're not. We're just going to give him the best quality of life. Okay. So when we came back home, um, and actually I had my son there. He was listening to the conversation. Wow. He's, he's six years old. They asked me if I want to get him out of the room, and I said, no, he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows he's got a tumor, and he knows what's going on, and they were, like, freaking out, like, wow, this little six-year-old boy is playing there with some toys, and he's listening to this. He doesn't care. But hitting adversity on the face or punch him in the mouth allowed me to prepare my, myself and my family for the journey that we were going to go about. Right. We, you know, it was three months, and so... Um, we were ready. We started making plans. Okay, this is what's going to happen. We had a family meeting, and we said, okay, guys, whatever decisions we make as a family, there will be no regrets. You cannot go back and go, we should have done this. I said, decision made, you turn the page, and it's over. If by any chance we make the wrong decision, we'll adjust. But we're not going to go back and blame anybody. And I think that gave us... um, a lot of uh, confidence in what we were doing and, and you know you gave my children confidence to voice their opinions about things or whatever so we all decided that we were not going to do an experiment three treatments because that particular type of uh, tumor is inoperable and incurable uh, it's funny how um, Ted Kennedy the senator had the same uh, tumor that my son had and I remember hearing on the news my wife and I were sitting down, and I said, oh, he's got the same tumor that my son Rafael had. And I said, three months, he's gone. And they're trying to save this guy and doing all sorts of things. And sure enough, man, three months, he was gone. Yeah. But again, um, I had, well, we had the courage to confront adversity so that we could prepare to what was going to happen. What was going to happen. We were ready. So lesson for you guys, you know, don't run away, confront it. If you could start doing some things now to build some of your skills, right. then then do it now because then you'll be better off when adversary arrives. Yeah, because it's gonna it's it'll get here one way or another, and it's not gonna go away. Yeah, in life is full of adversity. That's how we grow. It it is, and if you're in a place where you can actually look at adversity in the face and say, "I see you. I'm not afraid of you. You're not gonna stop me from doing what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I may have to change some of what I do." But in the end, I'm still getting there. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. Let's Versus, do this. Come on. Let's yeah. do this, man. Let's get strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get, I mean, I remember I got, I'm going to sidetrack. I got into, only time I got my butt kicked, like royally. Um, I was in high school and, and this gang was trying to recruit me. And they kept harassing me and all sorts of things. And, and, and from recruiting went to a lot of animosity. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, four or five guys would walk around and, and challenge me and, and call me names and things like that. And, and I was just, you know, kind of ignoring them or whatever. But I, one time I just could not. I was so pissed. And this guy showed up with his buddies and he called me. Like he, was, he goes, I'm going to kick your ass one of these days. And I'm like, what's wrong with right now, man? Yeah. 
And then Kiwi, he looked puzzled, like, dude, I got my entourage here, you know? <laughs> We're going to tear you apart. But I was just, like, so determined, like, I want to get it over right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a, uh, concerned about anything else. I don't yeah. I don't want to waste more energy thinking about when are they going to kick my ass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's get it done. Yeah, I got it done. And, uh, boy, that's... I got stitches on my upper lip. I mean, it was it was kind of messy, but I got it done. And I want you guys to hear what he just said. He got to a point where the pain of not knowing when he was going to get his ass kicked was actually greater than it was temporary. It it sucked at the time, but it was a temporary pain compared to living twenty four seven in this fear, this anxiety of when's it going to happen? Are they going to beat up one of my friends? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? You have to just come to that place of acceptance. There's five stages of in psychology. They talk about people that you know when there's hardship or when there's adversity, they they have to go through these this cycle. And the very first one is we just act like it's not there. We just deny it. And a lot of people right now are living in denial. You hope it goes away. Yeah, exactly. If I just just <laughs> yeah. turn my eye to it, but it's not going to go away. Then it's anger. Then it's bargaining because you're hoping that you can somehow get it to go away without doing the work and then eventually you hit depression and then after the depression then you hit acceptance but even within those little cycles that i just talked about people will have these mini cycles so they may go into denial and then anger and then they just they're tired of being angry but they don't want to move to the next part which is trying to to accept it so they go back to denial again and they will live their entire life in that cycle of denial anger Denial, anger. Denial, anger, mm, bargaining. No, I want to go back to denial because it's easier. But you can let your entire life waste away in front of you if you live like that. So you have to do all these things. And once you're to that place where you can finally accept it, now you can begin to start learning what's the gift, what's the opportunity. If you're facing adversity now, ask yourself, what is this showing me that I never would have seen any other way? What perspective is it making me look at? What is it revealing about myself that I don't like? What's the chink in my armor? What's the weak link here? If you can see it like that, you can learn. More importantly, you can learn so that you don't have to be put in that position anymore. And that's the goal. But it's hard to see that when you're in the middle of it. When you're in the heat of battle, it's really hard to think that far ahead, which is why right now you have to already make a decision about the course of action you want to take, the steps that you're willing to take to get stronger and more resilient so that when you are facing it, you don't try to run away from it. And even if you do do try to run away from it for a minute, that's okay. But eventually you have to turn and face it if you want to go anywhere in life. And frankly, it's a very, it's, it's it's a horrible existence to live in that place. To live in that place where you don't even want to try anything because you just assume that you'll fail. You don't even want to go talk to that person that you think is attractive because you just assume that they're not going to be interested in you. Or you're afraid to go on that job interview or whatever it is. These are life lessons that will serve you more and more if you're willing to really put them into play. And we have all kinds of opportunities. It can be something small. It can be something big. But it's on the way, guys. You better get ready when we're yeah. I think that well, there are golden nuggets that we could give the, our audiences that you need to prepare. You you could prepare for adversity. You you can like uh, you say if you want to 
talk to that one girl and you're all nervous about it, I mean, you could prepare yourself to have that conversation. There's always ways to prepare for, um, you know, things that may happen. Um, and I just think that it starts with you guys and you have to make that commitment and go, you know, I'm going to be a better person. I need to improve my set of skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, when adversity comes in, it's not going to be as harsh. It's not going to be as harsh because you're going to be able to manage it. And right. that's why successful people do. It's not that CEOs don't have adversity or anything like that, but they have the skills to manage the crisis or, or, or whatever else. Yeah. So for me, I'm at this stage of my life, I mean, I lost the kids, man. My wife, I lost my wife a couple, two, three times. I lost other kids that fell from 30 feet and they had to um, evacuate him to uh, um, Kansas City by helicopter. I mean, I've gone through a lot of shit and I got the skills to go, okay, come down. Let's focus mm-hmm. on, for me, it's, it's I gotta have control. So for me, when chaos arrives or adversity arrives, I'm going, okay, stay still. Assess the situation, mm-hmm. focus on the solution, not the problem. That's it. But I already have the skills to manage the problem. I have the skills to manage, uh, um, you know, a family who's, a member who's crying or who's, who's losing it or whatever. I can manage that, and or or you know, I can manage the doctors. You know, I can, I can be forceful to say, hey, this is what I want done. I want, I want to get this done. So I already know those things. I, I earned those skills before. And so I can manage any crisis, I think, you know, with the help of God, obviously. But um, God's taught me all these lessons, and, and, and I think that I, I can manage it. So for you guys, you start building your, your skill arsenal and, and get ready because adversity is coming. It is. It's coming. That was a great point, man. I mean, people don't, they, they don't understand that, that, that you grow through adversity, man. That's just... And, and that's why I love your book because it's, it calls it a gift. And it's really a gift. It is, if you're willing to see it. If you're willing to see it as a gift. If you're willing to see it as a burden, it will be a burden and will crush you. It will absolutely fucking crush you. Totally. Yeah. So build those skills, guys. Just like you guys going to the gym, building all those big muscles. You've got to build the other skills you need. That's it. Because <laughs> adversity is heavier than your freaking weights. It is. <laughs> and it doesn't care if you can't do it or not. It's like, well, I'm here. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah. I bitch slap you twice. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we're going to move to the next segment. I got, again, this is my first interview, and um, I just had some questions, and I'm just going to move on through the questions. So how do you determine priorities, your priorities? Like, I in one chapter of your book, you talk about it, the same no. you got to be selective. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that another thing is, you have to um, um, return to simplicity because people are complicated. They, they, they have complicated thoughts, uh, um, thought processes, mm-hmm. and you got to get back to simple. So how do you determine your priorities? And that's the, in the book I say, if everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. And right now, a lot of people want to prioritize everything. They're like, oh, I want to do everything. You can't. And you can't do everything. So... If you only had three things to do, what would you want to do? And now that's a very simple way to do it. But what you have to do is, like we were talking about, you have to have a, a vision or a, a goal or an, a, a desired outcome. And then you have to slowly begin to break those things down into 
actionable steps. Now that sounds simple, but here's what happens. Everybody thinks that, well, these three things have to be my priority. I want to have a great business and have a great family life and keep myself in shape. But I can only do one of those things. No, you can't. You can do all three of those things. But of those three, the most important one probably is the family. Because you can figure out other ways to work on your business at home, for example. Or you have a gym here. Like You've removed all the excuses mm -hmm. that you could have had. And by removing all the excuses, now you have no other choice other than to begin to execute. So when I think about priorities, I think about if I can only do one thing today, one, if I can only lay one brick, what would be the most important thing to move the needle? And that's what I, that's what I focus the most on. Now, for a lot of people, they don't even know what they really want. They have no clue. And because they don't know what they want, they, they get distracted by this shiny thing over here. And then they try to they go down that rabbit hole for a minute, and then they realize it's going to take more time or effort or money than they want. And then they'll kind of go meander down the path of least resistance, and they go whatever direction the wind blows. But in the end, you have to decide what you really want. You can't let somebody else's idea of what's important. Steve Jobs says, you know, this is your life. Don't try to live someone else's because that's what's so important. If you truly want to do something, then you have to be very honest with yourself and say, you know what? Money is not the most important thing to me. Family is. Okay. Then what are you going to do to start making that family better? If you don't have a family yet, that's fine. I love the point that you made earlier. If you're a young whoever who's working on something and you're in your early 20s, late you know, late 20s, early 30s, whatever, and you say, well, I don't have a family, you know, so the things that I do now don't make that big of a difference. Actually, the actions that you're taking now are impacting who your future family will be. Exactly, yeah. Are you going to be in a financial position to be able to take care of them? Are you going to be in a physical condition to, to be in great shape if you get married? Because sometimes when we get married, we don't always push ourselves as physically as we, we used to because we're married and we have all this other stuff going. But in the end, you choose what's a priority, not somebody else. And if you don't let somebody... if you if you are not choosing your own priorities, somebody else will come along and give you some priorities and they will not be in your best interest. Yeah. So for me, is a, um, when I was younger, um, I had a mentor and he told me that um, I need to look at, again, going back to emulating somebody, look at somebody you look up to and see what you need to do to uh, get to that point. What are the skills you need to develop? Mm -hmm. Okay. What are your priorities? So the prayers are to go hang out with the boys mm. or, or, you know, or, or work on this particular skill. So like you say, you have to make those choices. You have to make the choice. It's your choice. Right. Otherwise, you will be doing somebody else's um, priorities or somebody else will put those priorities on you. So it's, uh, um, it's either you do it or somebody will do it for you. <laughs> That's it. And the thing is, you can't just make the choice once. Right? right? We have to choose it every day. We can't choose just to work out once and I'm good. It's like, no, you need to be doing it consistently. The thing is, those habits and those de the decision happens first. You decide what you want. Then you start looking at what are the skills required, where the steps needed. And then when you start doing that, then you start realizing, okay, so all like you said, I can't go spend a bunch of money and time with the boys when I 
could be spending time at home working on this other thing to get me where I need to go. Once you've done that, that's when you're going to start facing adversity. But it's a different kind of adversity. There's the adversity of mediocrity, just hanging with the boys, watching the game. And there's nothing wrong with doing that sometimes. But if that's your normal existence, then guess what? You've made the decision one time to try to be excellent, but you haven't made it repeatedly over and over every day in the face of adversity. Yeah. Focusing on the important things, you know, one of the things that um, I used to hang out on a bar back when I was like illegal, 18 <laughs> years old. Um, and you, I was amazed by the people hanging out at the bar. It was like a cheer, like, you know, the, the show Cheers. Yeah, the bar. Doing cheers. yeah, every, yeah. Every, you know, same guys coming in every single day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was young and, and I would love to shoot pool. And I was learning from the masters of, of playing pool. And I love the environment, but I started noticing that we had a lot of regulars at the bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about mediocrity and all this stuff. And so then I started noticing that people were focusing on the wrong things. They would have arguments about baseball statistics mm-hmm. for this particular batting guy or his running statistics. And I would go, wow, that's a lot of knowledge in something that is freaking useless Yeah, in they, my mind. Yeah, they you made know? that a priority. Exactly. Exactly. So you guys, you know, I know you got, some of you know all the statistics of, you know, football players or baseball players or whatever. What does that do for you? How does that make you money? How, do you, how does that make you a better person? So when you, you're, you're looking at priorities, you need to go, okay, what am I doing? Is this making me a better person? Is this going to make me money? Is this going to make me a better husband? Whatever it is, you need to look at, look at those, the, the activities you're doing and, 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 judge them against that you know agree so it's it's a um a way a good way for you guys to um understand your priorities and and to prioritize things so um what's useful and what's not so that's it that yeah man. I, I i tell my clients it's like you have to ask yourself right now right now in this moment is what you're doing getting you closer to those goals or further away and people live in this fairy tale land where they think, well, if I just choose not to choose, <laughs> then it's like I'm putting hitting pause. But that's not it. No. There's no lateral motion. You're either moving closer or further away, period. And if you let that happen over and over again, choosing not to choose is the very definition of anxiety. So you have to choose. You have to take a side. You have to figure out what a priority is for you. And he made a great point about the statistics. To, to me, that was clearly a horrible use of that person's mental capacity. It doesn't really do a whole lot. And then you're trying to debate somebody else at a bar about it mm-hmm. who's just as, just as convinced that they're correct. So that's a, basically a fool's errand. You're just having a conversation about nothing that you could have been doing a lot more with. You could have gotten more out of taking a walk or taking a nap than sitting there yeah, having that conversation. Yeah, we've got to watch our environments as well, you know. Um, I, I know that, that some folks try to, um, especially in, on social media, they, they they think they could improve their lives by doing affirmations. By I, I was listening to a conversation the other day, and, and you know, this, it was actually in club, a clubhouse, mm-hmm. and. Um, Somebody was telling, well, I do my affirmations. I do my affirmations. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? So if you're mediocre and you say, 
I'm good, I'm, I'm not mediocre, and that's just like, poof, it's gonna happen. You, you become an excellent person or a person of excellence. Uh, or the other thing is like people go, well, I wanna be, um, you know, I'm gonna ask the universe for things and uh, I'm gonna wish them things and, and I'm gonna become a magnet and it, the universe is gonna give it back to me. And I, I think about those things and I'm going, what are these fucking people talking about? You're not a magnet, first of all. <laughs> you know, the fucking universe is the stars, the moon, all that stuff that God created that it's out there. So, the, yes, there is a universe, but this universe, it's not an intelligence that or or, um, or uh, some sort of, 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 of um, some, something that is going to give you something. It's just the stars are there. They've been there for millions and millions of years or whatever. So, you know, you guys got to watch what you say. You know, it, you got to pick the, the person you listen to. And instead of catching, you know, some, some little phrase or whatever and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to do affirmations. Or I'm going to ask the universe for this. Because I'm a magnet. It's like, to me, it just freaking, it's, I don't know, it's a joke, man. Uh, um, so you got to be more um, grounded. And again, you got to choose who you who you listen to. Um, and, and, and that would be, that would help you. Um, you need the plan, a vision, um, you need a roadmap on how you're going to get to to a place, but by wishing or doing affirmation, this is not going to freaking happen. No, the law of attraction only works as hard as you do. Period. So, it's it, you got to put the effort on anything. Right? Repeatedly, yes. So over and over. It's I, I think some of these guys have it all wrong. I mean, it's it, it annoys the shit out of me when I hear you know, and, and they are very convinced that this is going to happen. That I'm wishing for this. Okay, well, are you doing the work? You know, I wish for a successful business. Mm -hmm. You know what? And I'm freaking here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And I'm out of here at 6 p.m. Yep. After I've been successful. Because mm -hmm. I know what it takes. I know the process. Yep. It takes time. It takes, it lots takes of time effort and over effort over. and all sorts of things. But I could wish all day long laying in bed or do affirmations. I'm great. My business is going to do great. My all day long, it's just not going to happen, you know? And here's the other thing. The people that are saying these things, even if you use their theory, you have to believe it to your bones that what you're saying is true. Well, guess what? You know how Miguel's going to make his wish come true? To have a great business, a successful business, a multi-million dollar business? By working his ass off. By coming and going every day, knowing that he's doing the work and he's chipping away at the stone, he builds that belief in himself. So now that wish that he had isn't a pipe dream. It's just a timeline now. Exactly. It's just a matter of time. You know, I have my, my down days and my up days. And I look, at, look back at when I was building the other businesses and, and I'm going, okay, I know exactly where I'm at. I'm at the bottom of this shit. I could feel sorry for myself or I could continue to work and trust the process. Yep. It, 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 it's a matter of time. If you're putting the work, it's a matter of time. That's it. I love the quote you have for, um, about Bruce Lee. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. Octanon Verbo, right? Holy cow, man. Yeah. It's just, um, but, you know, Bruce Lee was a thinker as well. Yeah, he, right now, 
we talk about all this knowledge is out there, but knowledge that is acquired that is not utilized is the equivalent of ignorance. So even if you read this book, how many times do we ask somebody, hey, you know, you read this book? Yeah, I read that. Tell me two of your takeaways from it. Oh, it was a great book. Well, so you didn't really, I mean, you read it, but you didn't really internalize it. You didn't write anything down. You didn't start applying that stuff. Arte calls, right? Arte events. Mm -hmm. Those things are amazing. And I want to run through a brick wall after I hear, uh, if I'm at an event or at a call, but if I don't write anything down, if I don't see how I can apply it, if I don't repeatedly apply it, then it's not going to help me. It's, I mean, that's how my business got doubled every, every two years there. It was just like it just kept growing because I was religiously applying those things. You know, Ed, Ed would say something. I, I'm applying it. Andy would say something. I'm applying it. And um, again, I didn't care if it, I didn't care if I looked messy doing it. I didn't care if other people, here's the thing. Everybody thinks it's people are watching you, but nobody's paying attention, guys. Until you get to a certain level of success, nobody is paying attention. And anybody that comes to you and throws a stone at you or, you know, starts talking shit on what you're doing, you have to remember that the loudest boos always come from the cheapest seats. Always. So Miguel and I are not, you know, bashing anybody simply because, one, that's not in our nature because it doesn't help anybody. But two, we don't have enough time to do that. I don't have enough time to look around to see if this person's grass is greener than mine. I'm too busy trying to do what I can to cultivate mine right now or help other people with theirs that I truly trust and love and believe in. Outside of that, there's not enough hours in the day to do that other stuff. So I can take that energy and either focus it on the things that I want to happen or I can focus on other things that are not going to really serve me. And in the end, I just choose to work on the things that are going to help me move forward to help more people in the process. Yeah, you know, talk about reading books or, or uh, listening to podcasts and things like that. People do that. They, they like to fill themselves, quote-unquote, with knowledge. But it's useless knowledge because they're not applying anything. So the way I read a book is I read something, and, and if it hits me, I'll stop. It, it, I'm, not a, I'm not trying to race anybody, mm -hmm. you know, say, hey, I read more books than you have. I read five books. I, I know people that read a book over the weekend and they go, hey, I read this book over the weekend. And I'm like, wow. Hey, I hope you took notes or whatever. What are you going to apply? So for me, I'm a little slow poke on that. I'll, I'll read a chapter or whatever or, or, or um, a phrase and, and it hits home and I'm going to go, okay, how does, how, does it, mm -hmm. how does this apply to me as my business or, or, or in my family life and whatever else? And if he does apply, then I'll go execute. It's worth me taking the time to execute. And that's how you move the needle, guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of great books out there, but it doesn't help you just to read them, to, to glow. You're basically glancing over them. Right. Because you're not doing anything with it. You know? And all the information that you get on podcasts and things like that. Uh, um, I had a, a coaching call with a person, and this person in two masterminds, reading books like crazy, listening to podcasts. And she goes, what do you advise me? And I said, my advice is you stop doing all this shit. Because <laughs> you have enough information to execute, but you keep gathering more because of the fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And you keep gathering more information, more information, and you're getting paralyzed because you can't execute all these things. There's 20, 30, 40 great ideas you might have in your mind. But you have to start with one. 
then the next one, then the next one. So for all of you guys that are doing a lot of, um, you know, masterminds and, and listening to three or four podcasts and reading those books and you think you're getting ahead, you're not. You get ahead when you execute on something. That's, I would advise everybody to, just like he said, take like a, a personal development or a podcast fast. And for like two weeks, because here's the thing, if I told you or if I asked you what's really going on, like what do you really need to work on in your business or in your personal life or, or anything, you probably have an idea. You probably know. I don't have to tell you. But you don't want to work on that thing because it's difficult. That's the adversity. So start saying to yourself, I don't want to read 50 books this year. I want to read two, but I want to apply 50 things that I learned from that book to everything that I do. We're talking about Bruce Lee, right? Bruce Lee says, I do not fear the man that knows 10,000 kicks and has done them once. I fear the man that knows one kick and he's done it 10,000 times. It's about reps. It's about experience. It's about understanding what it takes, being willing to make that decision and choosing to take action over and over again. That creates momentum, that creates belief, that creates gravity, and that creates success. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, gathering all that information, it makes you be indecisive. You can't make a decision. You're confused. It's, everything's right. cluttered. Yeah. And this is a great segue to um, my next question, Mr. Marcus. What gets men killed? Oh, my goodness. I love that uh, wow. chapter of your book yeah. uh, about the staff sergeant. Uh, so what, what, what gets men killed? So that chapter, um, my squad leader, we were preparing to deploy. We were in a shoot house for 24 hours straight. And for those of you that don't know, a shoot house is designed specifically for live ammunition to simulate clearing houses. So we've been doing this for probably about 14 hours at that time. And there was a guy that was getting ready to go through the door. So we call the door the fatal funnel because if I have a team of guys and we're getting ready to hit that door and there's one person in the corner of this room that has an AK-47 and I try to hit that door and I pause and hesitate there, it takes one person with that gun to just sort of zigzag anywhere in our general direction and they will kill every one of us. So the idea is to get through the fatal funnel, kick the door down, and move forward. If you're taking fire, that's fine. The guy behind you will stick his boot in your back, put you down, protect you, and then when it's all said and done, we'll pick you up and we'll move on. The thing that people don't seem to understand is that you have to make that decision beforehand because if you wait until adversity shows up and then start to have this conversation with yourself or internalize this dialogue, it's too late. So we're in there and this guy goes to hit the door, stops, and then they just stop the whole exercise like, you guys are all dead. That's what happens. You guys got stuck in the fatal funnel and you didn't make it. So this was the team that was before us. It wasn't us. It was the other team that had done it. Sergeant, My Sergeant Reed told me he was like, uh, after we went through it, we did everything perfectly. Not perfectly, but well to his, to his standard, which is a very high standard. And we go to the wood line and he's smoking a cigarette and uh, he looks at me and he's like, hey, AJ, um, and I'm drinking out of my camelback. He says, uh, you know what gets more men killed in combat than IEDs or bullets? Hesitation. And he says, I would rather you be wrong and committed and pivot on the fly than just stand there and 
hope that you're going to figure it out. They call it stacking on a door when people stack, but he says, you stack firewood. You don't Mm -hmm. stack people on a door because if you stack people on a door long enough to where you can actually stack, everybody's dead. It takes one grenade, it takes one IED, it takes one person with an AK-47 to kill everybody. He said, your goal is to flow. I would rather you be adaptable than perfectly precise. And that's that was the big lesson for me. I never forgot yeah. that. No, I think that that translates into um, the business world. Oh my! You know, God, it's, yeah. it's 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 indecision. Like if you want to start the business, you're 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 waiting to gather all the correct information to make a decision, and and you shouldn't do that. You should have enough information to make a decision and move forward. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you, you, you could pivot as you go along. Right. You're going to make little mistakes here, little mistakes there, and then you just pivot, pivot. Because when you are going forward and you might be making some mistakes, you're gathering information right. in, in correcting your course all mm-hmm. the time. And so indecision is what kills more men. It kills it, dreams. It kills ambition. It kills relationships because people hesitate to act. And when they hesitate like that, Here's the other thing. We're, we're talking about other stuff. Okay, in business, if you have a product and you're developing it, but you're not executing it fearlessly, if you're hesitating, somebody else can come into the market and own that environment. And now you're reacting instead of acting. Action is always more powerful than reaction. If I'm getting ready to defend myself, if I wait for that attacker to come at me and now I see that there's three of them and they all have guns or knives, I'm reacting at this point. If it is obvious that there's an imminent threat, my best action is to take action first and not wait. I would rather be judged after the fact than be carried in the in the casket in the process. Yeah. I, I, I tell my kids, you know, I'd rather get a phone call that your son beat the crap out of this guy or whatever, then, then, then get the call. He's in the hospital and in a coma exactly. or something like that. So indecision again. you got to make that decision. So, you know, um, in a world that is changing real quick, the only guarantee you have is that you will fail. So don't be afraid to fail because based on if you fail, you have another data point and yep. now you could correct. And, you know, so don't be indecisive. Just... Get it done, you know, jump yeah. in there. Um, so I've, I've built several businesses in several industries and people go, well, how can you go from um, guns, ammo to, you know, natural oils to a window company to this and that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just figure, I know I could figure it out. I'm mm-hmm. a problem solver. Above all, I look at myself and I'm a problem solver, mm-hmm. period. You know, I, I look at stuff and I go, okay, how do I fix this? Again. Going back to, I focus on the solution, not the problem. Mm-hmm. All right, so, okay, how am I going to fix this? And, and that's how I go in there. Uh, and I'll figure out as I go along. Like, you know, here I am doing, uh, you know, essential oils. I'm, we're buying a new machine to do um, essential oil oils toilets. And people go, well, how are you going to do it? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm figuring it out. That's it. That's exactly it. The, the answer that you're facing is in the adversity that you're not facing. Yeah. That that's what it is. So nobody wants to do the work. It's like, oh, I wish I could do that. You can. Yes. You're just not committed enough to do it. There's one level of commitment, and that is total. Period. There's no in between. 
if you want to call it burning the boats, if you want to call it, you know, whatever it is, but that's how you have to be in this. So many people now have this wishy-washy idea. They have one foot outside the aircraft, so to speak. And because of that, they're stuck in limbo because they hesitate. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the best ways to end up a casualty in this life. Yeah. So I guess the lesson on this point, guys, just jump in the pool and start figuring out how to swim, you yeah. know. So um, make the decision and go in there without too much hesitation, but understanding that you're going to make mistakes along the way, but the mistakes are not fatal mistakes. Right. You know, think about this. You know, like I tell my kids when they're going to make a decision, I said, there's two things you got to think about this. I said, are you committing a mortal sin? Are you offending God? Nope. Okay, great. Are you in mortal danger? Nope. Okay, then go ahead. Yep. Because they're not fatal. And you could recoup. That's it. You could recover from, from, from any of those mistakes. So um, we encourage you to take your chances. Obviously, calculate it. Look at the uh, um, decisions you're going to make. Look at the pros and cons. And then if we're going to work out, just go in there and do it. If it's not a fatal mistake, then go ahead and try it. Agree. So that's cool, man. All right. So you, you seem like a guy has a very strong mindset. Who, um, that's what I think was the appeals to me. You know, manly man like manly man. You know, I think we're freaking, you know, two Bs. Um, it's one of the things that attracted me to Andy Frazella and, and, and Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very manly man. Uh, very strong-willed, uh, uh, very strong mindset, very strong principles, committed, and all that stuff. So... What is your mindset? What you know? What are what are your beliefs? What are what are um, the the things that uh, help you get through adversity and things like that? Yeah, the I guess my mindset is a little bit of what we've been talking about. Um, I do see adversity as a, as a gift, as an opportunity, and I think that's huge, buddy. I, that, I, that's just like huge. That's eighty percent, the eighty twenty rule. That that's what it is, and that's why I, I named the book that because just like we're saying. There may be somebody who says, hey, you know, I bought your book and I loved it. And if I say, if they were skimming the book, they probably didn't get a whole lot out of it. But if they did at least read the book and they saw me mention adversity over and over again, and they saw the cover of the book over and over again, if that's all they get, that's still a hell of a lot. That still can serve them for the rest of their life. They can still give that to somebody for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. That That's powerful. But to me, um, I guess my mindset, a lot of it is based on what should I be doing now that I'm not doing? What should I be applying myself towards that I'm not doing? Um, and I'm not saying that in like a, a fearful way, but I'm saying it in, I want to accomplish certain things in my life. I want to create certain expectations for my family, things that I want to be able to do. I remember Ed made this great point at, um, well, at the syndicate event that you spoke at mm. when you were on yeah. stage and you did amazing up there. Um, there was something that he said. He said, when you make a certain amount of money, people don't push you or your family around. And that really stuck with me because just like you were saying, you know, both of our fathers were hardworking blue collar guys and they both wanted us to succeed without having to do what they were doing to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, being in a position where, how good does it feel to be able to, to tell your wife, Hey, if you need something, go get it. Money is not an option. Not that you should spend your money frivolously, but to say, listen, we need to go get another car because this one broke down or it's unreliable. 
then we go get another car. We don't say, oh, well, I don't have enough money for this or doing that. And it's not, and we're not saying this in a, I'm not showing off, but what I'm saying is it's amazing how much money can dictate your choices in life if you allow it to. And by doing that, you are staying safe, you're staying mediocre, and you're not putting yourself in a position to be able to succeed in any area of life, mm -hmm. frankly. So that's kind of the way I look at it, where my goal is to serve as many people as I possibly can with my message, to help as many people that are willing to do the work, but also in the process of doing that, I'm also wanting to make sure that I'm still trying to fulfill myself, still trying to grow as a as a person and as a coach, as a sifu, as a teacher, sensei, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and that's the well, I, I think that you have a very strong mindset, just like I, I think I do. I mean, for oh, me, yeah. there's no impossible. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's uh, um, like my wife would say, um, she's my biggest cheerleader and sometimes to my detriment mm -hmm. because if I said, I'm going to do this, she's like, okay. And I said, you know, what do you think? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but, but you know, I, I want some pushback, okay? I want, I want someone to go, hey, dude, you're crazy, man. What are you going to do this? I mean, yes. you're, you're 50 some years old and you started a brand new business and you're investing over a million dollars on this business because blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, you're fine. Goes, yep. I know you'll do it. That's it. And so um, to me, it's my mindset is like bulletproof. I, I trust my yes. skills. I believe that God, if I'm doing the right thing, God is going to help me. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of time again, you know. Yep. So for me, believing in myself, but I built those skills. I had to build the skills. Right. It, it, you know, my mindset wasn't this strong all, all along, but if you think about... Um, having a strong mind by default or by force, you know, having sometimes 15 people in the household eating three times a day and you're the breadwinner. There's yeah. not many options for... Yeah, you have to succeed. You have no other choice. Exactly. There's no... I mean, there's not even plan A or B. There's just no... You got to do it, period. No, yeah. no matter what. And so um, having a strong mindset and... and I wasn't cocky or anything like that, but I knew that I could figure out. I, I go back to, you know, some of you guys that are building businesses, get the mindset of a problem solver. Mm -hmm. Don't 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 think about yourself like, oh, I'm the CEO. I'm this. Just just you're a problem solver. You're solving this puzzle. How do you solve this? And I think that when when you take that uh, approach, um, you could figure anything. Especially. Those guys that are in the syndicate, we have this Facebook group. If you have a question, ask the group, yep. and they're going to give you the answer mm -hmm. without That's any, you know, charge or anything like that. And so if you don't know, ask. Um, but, again, you know, figuring things out is my, my strongest suit because I, I look at myself as a problem solver. I don't see myself as a businessman or anything like that. It's just I got to solve the problem. And this is how we do it. Yep. So... Strong mindsets um, are built based on, on, on you stacking up on, on, on new skills. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, but you have to put the work and the effort into building those skills. That's it. And there has to be a driving purpose behind that skill set. Yes. Like you, you have to, again, like you said, adversity offers us no other choice. And when there's no other choice, the choice is simple. So for you, when you have 45 meals being eaten in your house every day, you don't have the luxury of saying, I don't feel like getting up. I'm going to just hit snooze. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. You don't have that choice. Even if you wanted to, that's not an option for you. So what is the option? Okay, to go out and hunt something and drag it back to the cave. There you go. How can I better do this? 
oh, well, I, I see that I, I can solve problems. If you have that skill set, you can be in any, any industry and, and crush it because you already know what it takes to get there. That's what people don't seem to realize. You have to have that deep burning purpose behind it because when you face adversity, if you don't really believe in it, in what you're doing, or you don't want it so bad that you're going to face it, then you're just going to quit, which don't feel bad. 99% of the rest of the, the world does that too. But for the other 1% of us that are still in this place where we want to do this and we're willing to do the work, there's endless possibilities. Yeah. It's funny, you know, we're in the conference room having this conversation and the heater just kicked in. Mm -hmm. So I hope that you guys hear a, no, a background <laughs> noise is the heater. But it brings me back to um, when we were building our, our first business um, and I quit my job. And I'm laying on my bed worrying about, you know, how, you know, it's the end of the month, I got to pay the pub, uh, private school and all sorts of things. And I, heat, and I hear the heater go on, fired up, and I'm going, oh, burning money. That's cost money. Yep. Yeah, it's going to cost yep. money. How are we going to do this? But um, we always manage to do that, you know. I mean, I think God's being very gracious to us, very kind. But, um, you know, it's a relationship that you have with like the relationship that I have with God is a very um, father-son-like relationship. So I look at my children the way I think God looks at me. Like I see my children and, you know, my, my, my twins with Down syndrome, they don't ask for anything. They assume that, they, that there's going to be a, a plate of food when they're, yep. when they're hungry. They assume that there's going to be this or that or whatever when they need it. And it took me a while because I'm a control freak. And it took me a while to realize that um, there's some things that I just got to let go and give it to yeah. God. Like a, a fine example of that, a very um, real example was when, when we didn't know our twins had Down syndrome. So when my wife had her C-section, C -section, uh, they took the babies out and they were just there. They were not moving like, you know, normal babies are kicking and stuff because the, the babies with Down syndrome have a, a low density um, muscle tone. Hmm. So they're like flat. They're like wow. laying down like a, like a, like a dead, um, uh, like a rag doll or something. Yeah. Something like that. You know, it's like, like a frog he's just laying there. And I remember the doctor was, he was Hindu and he's, uh, accent. He goes, I think they have Down syndrome. <laughs> what do you think? And I go, I'm, I, think they're fine. And he goes, yeah, but I, they have Down syndrome, I think. And I go, but, but that's fine. And he's, what do you want me to do? You know? So all of a sudden, everything started hitting me. You know, adversity started bitch slapping me and punching me in the back of the neck as well, mm -hmm. not only on the cheeks and everywhere. I felt like I was getting my ass kicked. And there's my wife. She just had C-section, twins. I can't tell her anything. And I'm holding things back. Babies are premature. One is three pounds. The other one is four pounds. Oh, and they got to take him to the NICU and do all sorts of things. So a lot of stuff hitting me at once or whatever. And when finally things settled down about 4 o'clock in the morning or whatever, I, Dora was stable and I could go home and, and sleep. I, I'm driving and, and, and I'm getting bombarded by, what are you going to do? What is Down syndrome? Are, are they going to be okay? Are going to be able to walk? Are they going to be able to talk? Are going to be able to... And, I'm, and I'm, it's driving me nuts. And then I go, okay, relax, Miguel. I said, God's got you. And I said, God, you send them to me. Yeah, I know you got me. And all of a sudden, I really felt this peace. 
and I, I was able to turn on the radio and listen to music. I was so appeased, like, uh-huh. okay, I'm, I'm going to be normal. This is what I do on the car. You turn on the, the radio, whatever. But it was such a, a, a great thing for me. And, you know, adversity hit me. I, like, and he punched me in the back of the neck and in front of whatever. But I was able to go, okay, hold on a second. Do you really believe? You know, people talk about, talk about faith. And when things like this happen is when you prove your faith. If I was going to complain and bitch about, well, why'd you send them to the kids this way or whatever? And I'd be bitter and angry. And and, and 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 I think God would, as a father, if one of my kids kept complaining to me and I'm like, dude, I got you. Don't worry about it. Well, what am I going to eat? You know, I, am I going to get shoes and I'm going to do this or whatever? And I would just say, you basically shut up, man. I got you. And so I, I look, I got the same way. Anyway. But it's interesting. It helps with adversity when you have the creator of the world on your side. So, um, you know, uh, I talked about, the, you know, having the kids and, and driving home. And there was a lot of fear in my heart. A lot of fear. And fear of the unknown. Yes. And one of the things that I learned in, and it was probably the second summit, um, the syndicate, um, Pedro Scullian, I probably butchered his name, but yeah, anyway, you guys right. know who it is. Yeah, Pedro's the man. Uh, he talked about fear. And, you know, he's talking to a 57, 58 year old man, and was like, I, I got into many fights. I've been through shit. And he's talking about fear. And he goes, I'm going to teach you about, you know, what fear is. And I'm going, you don't fucking know what fear is, dude. <laughs> so anyway, so he said, it was fear lives in your mind. Because it's not real. Because you're bringing experiences from the past that, that, that bring fear. Or you're looking at the future event and you're thinking about it. And you go, oh, this might happen. This might happen. And, and so that's why fear gets introduced to you. Um, so when he said that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I'm, I'm a warrior, warrior because I'm, I'm feeding my family. I got to do this. And I'm always worried about the future and how are you going to do that? So I changed from that day on. I'm like, as long as I do the work right now, yes, I'm not going to fear the future. That's exactly it. And, and whenever I feel fear, I look at the past and I'm going, okay, where is it coming from? Is it coming from my past, from my experience that I had? Oh, yes. Okay, well, I'm going to look at the experience. And I, I look at that experience and go, okay, yes, this happened or that happened. I got my butt kicked or whatever. What did I learn? And then I'll bring the positive back into the present right now. So what do you think about fear? How do you how do you handle fear? How do you see it? Um that's the thing. A lot of the fear that we have, again, is, is false. It's something that it's, it's a lie that we corroborate in our mind. We believe it to be true. Um, there's a great story. Um, it's, I talk about it in my book, but it's about Mike Tyson. And he was, for those of you that don't know, at one time he was the most devastating heavyweight champion mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Um, and his trainer was named Customato. And, um, Mike Tyson literally had to be corralled out of his dressing room as an amateur. Like he was in the dressing room crying, didn't want to go on the ring, didn't want to fight, didn't want to go. And Customato says the worst thing in the world is to see a warrior defeated by his own mind and not his opponent. 
So he knew that fear was going to overwhelm certain fighters. And he told Mike Tyson this story called The Hero and the Coward. And he says, the difference between the hero and the coward is not what they feel. They both feel the same thing. They both feel fear. But it's what they do with it that makes them different. The hero lets the fear hit him, but then he channels it into something that's positive and uses it to project onto his opponent and then uses it to become victorious. The coward lets the fear just keep him stuck and makes him hesitate. And in that hesitation is whenever he's defeated. So it's the same thing. Fear is what you do with it. For me, for a long time, fear is what drove me whenever I was paralyzed because I didn't have, I didn't know what was going to happen next. But again, when you realize that fear is a form of adversity where it's trying to get your attention and say, listen, this is a potential thing over here, but it's like you and I being afraid of a tornado. We're aware that there's a potential of it when there is, yeah. but we have an action to take. Okay, we're going to go down to the basement if there's a tornado. We live in Tornado Alley, for those of you that don't know. But the thing is, you can't live your life in fear. You can't let that stifle your existence. You can't say, well, I would go up and, and spend time with Miguel, but what if there's a tornado? Well, it's in the wintertime. I mean, that never really happens. Well, what about the bad weather? Well, what about the roads? No. If you constantly look for an excuse, you will always find one. But if you constantly look for a way driven by purpose... You will always find one for those two. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Uh, I like your quote about nothing breeds confidence like preparation. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Before I drove up, yeah. I, I have everything right. If my if I break down, I'm fine. I've got spare tires. I've got stuff to keep me warm. I got food. I'm ready. So that it, the preparation takes a lot of the fear out. It absolutely does. If if you're prepared before you step in the in the cage. At the end, right before you step in, you're like, you know what? I've done everything that I possibly can. It's all out there now. So if I get beat by this guy, he's better than I am. He deserves to win. But I've done everything in my power to mm -hmm. make sure that I win. The Customato says, you have to demand from fate the victory. Because if you don't work harder for it in the leading up to it, you will always wonder right before you get in the ring, did I do enough? Did I do enough road work? I wonder if my technique's good enough. It's too late, guys. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You should have already been doing that shit a long time ago, which is where the preparation builds the confidence. Yeah. yeah. I had a question here that um, that I think it's we, we sort of answer it with, with fear because it's about preparation, but how do you handle stress or, or difficult situations? Um, with the stress, a lot of times I just detach from it as much as I can because I know that stress will not allow me to operate at my highest level especially when I need it the most. So we were taught, we were doing martial arts stuff earlier, right? Mm -hmm. um, if a guy pulls a knife on me now, I don't, I can't get stressed about it. That's going to slow me down. That causes me to hesitate. I just understand that the stress is something that's forcing me to take action. So again, if, uh, if, if we're working on the business and we, we know that we have to, to feed those people, we're going to use that stress to drive us in a positive manner. When I interviewed Ed Milet, he says that he likes stress because he says that it's something that he channels to, to take him to a higher level. And of course, there's too much of it, obviously. Anything in, it, anything in excess becomes its opposite. So too much of anything becomes bad. If you sleep all the time, it eventually becomes a coma. If you work too hard all the time, you eventually get burned out. But the understanding is that stress is there 
to make you take action. It's when you feel stress and then do nothing that causes anxiety, and that's when people become crippled. That's when the hesitation happens, and that's when they live this life of mediocrity. And then all of a sudden they look up and it's like, wow, I'm 50 years old. Where did the time go? Where did all those people go? Where did all those opportunities go? Mm-hmm. We think that we will always have the time. We think we will always have the opportunity. And the, the reality is we will have neither if we don't take action. Yeah. So I added my notes that, um, you know, it's preparation too. I mean, um, you won't have, the stress won't be as, as much or, or as harsh if you're prepared. Right? That's it. So that's just the thing. And also for me is I can handle a lot of stress because I'm focusing on, on, on the solution, not the problem. Right. So people need to, you guys need to take the time to go, okay, let's just discern this thing. Let's just figure this out. And, and, and see, energy flows one way. And when you are in a stressful situation or, or a difficult situation or whatever, if you're focusing on the problem, all the energy is going to the problem and nothing to the solution. Yep. So you need to move it over to the focusing on the problem and so you have less energy. Uh, uh, fixing the problem, you have less energy going to focusing on the problem. Like in business, you know, people go, well, who made that mistake? Or, well, well, well. you know, they're barking, they're focused on the problem. It's like, no, dude, focus on the solution. This is interesting because, again, I'm learning about myself. So I have a lot of experience and sometimes I, I don't know what I know, but I remember when my wife and I got married, um, we had our, our second daughter, Christina, and it was Christmas Eve and she had a high fever and she started convulsing. Mm. And it's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night or whatever. And my wife started crying. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, it's like, let's call 911 and get an ambulance here and this, this. And then my wife is crying and she's crying. And so after we went to the hospital, they put her in a nice bath and, and we were able to take her home the same evening and all sorts of things. I had a conversation with her. I said, baby, were you helping our daughter by, by crying, by, by, by focusing? I said, you were focusing on the problem, not the solution. And so little by little, I started you know, working with her and coaching her. She's very coachable. She's, she's just an amazing woman. Um, and now she's like, this happens. She's on, okay, let's focus on the solution. And it's a, a skill that if you guys really try to hone in on that, it's going to help you a lot in every aspect of your life. If you find value in the podcast, share it with your family and friends and make sure you rate it. You can follow me on Instagram at MAGPatriot or Facebook Miguel Godfather or email me your questions at Miguel at GodfatherChronicles.com. This podcast is sponsored by NaturalChoiceCompany.com. Unlock your health.